Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. All right, welcome everybody to our Bible class. Before we begin, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord God, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, so we're looking at Luke 5, 17 to 32. Um, I will read it again out of the Lexham English Bible, the LEB. Um, like I said before, this Bible is basically designed to check how accurate your own Bible is to, to the Greek. So I'll, I'll read it a little bit slower and uh, we'll see how, uh, how, if anything jumps out at you, take note and we'll discuss it after. And it happened that on one of the days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was there in order for him to heal. And behold, men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and place him before him. And when they did not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the roof tiles with the stretcher into the midst of them in front of Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who is able to forgive sins except God alone? But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Get up and walk. But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go to your home. And immediately he stood up before them, picked up what he had been laying on, and went away to his home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they were, began to glorify God. And they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen wonderful things today. And after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. And Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining for the meal with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes began to complain to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, They, those who are healthy, do not need, a physician, have, do not have need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have... I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All right, so that's our, that's our text. Anything strike you as we're reading that? I thought first six where you said, we have seen wonderful things. Yes. And in my textbook, it says strange things. Yes. So there's a difference between wonderful and strange. Yes, there's a wonderful, um, in this case, means um, 
like, like marvel, like filled with wonder, like, whoa, you know, we use them to think, we use the word more in the tense of to be, to, to do a great thing. But see, this is why we look at different translations. Now you can see, okay, there, you know, when you open a dictionary to wonderful, there's going to be what, like five or six definitions. So now you know which definition they were thinking of, because it's the one that matches this other translation. But that's, that's a good point. Anything else strike you about that? Most of the time, it's going to be things like, um, I can guarantee you, 28. Um, yeah, see, look, in verse 28, ESV says, and leaving everything behind, he rose and followed him. Mm-hmm. Notice, it's pa- they put it in the past tense, followed. But this says, and leaving everything... He- Behind, he got up and began to follow him. So there's a subtle, there's a subtle thing in the word, probably a tense. I don't have my Greek with me. There's something in the word that makes this translation say, no, it's, it's a, it's not a simple past tense. It's he began. This is where it starts for him. He begins to follow him. Little things like that are actually what, um, are what we see. Verse 17. Um, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal, and he has to be in order for him to heal. Yep, yep. <clears throat> it sounds like it's. It's coming from him. The power to heal was there. It was specific that it was going to heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's. Because in verse 21, it says, Who can forgive sins? Right. But only God. So. He's here to heal. He's here to forgive sins. He's here for both. Oh, yeah. See, in ESV, look at the footnote. Footnote four. Some manuscripts was present to heal them. I guarantee you that's what they're doing. In order, they're, they're seeing the two and they're putting in order to. See, this is, this is why we pause and we slow down. And we, we pick up on some of these little, little tidbits that we go through. Um, you you know you know what when we talk about our bibles we have we don't have the originals that the apostles wrote we have copies of the copies and by comparing most of the copies we can we can get back to the original um if you guys remember think back to school or think back to when you're taking notes of something written on the blackboard if you make a mistake you're not likely to make the exact same mistake Right? So by comparing everybody's notes, you can get a perfect copy of what's on the board. That's what we do with our manuscripts. So it's important sometimes to pick up on those little footnotes. Okay. Verse, something else in verse 21 and 22. Question in ESV is, is reason in believing. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, I have to look that up. Yeah. Um, Reason. It's um, so. There's something that uh, looks like it, it, the old King James might have been reason as well. If that's the case, then they've translated the word as question. Um, yeah, I think that the question the, is probably more likely. The Pharisees are going to question what he's saying. Yeah. Rather than trying to reason with them. No, I don't think. Yeah. It's, Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, like I said, there's nuances on these words that, you know, they're, that they're, we're picking up on. But that's, that's good. Okay. Next time I'll have to make sure I have my Greek here to double check. I've got a cheat sheet book at, at, up, up in my office. No, no, no. I've, I, have a, I have a book in my office that has all the words defined that a guy at a seminary probably wouldn't know. <laughs> so it's helpful. All right, let's look at these questions quickly here. Uh, and uh, so first off, who were the Pharisees? Did anybody do any extra research into that? Who were the Pharisees were? The Pharisees were a group of Jews that were very legalistic. Sure, very legalistic and pietistic in their observance. Any other thoughts 
about experts and teachers of the law. They were experts. So there are when you when you look at what we call here Second Temple Judaism. All right. So when you hear that phrase, what does that mean to you? Second Temple Judaism. It means the Judaism that was around during the Second Temple, right? The first temple was destroyed. The second temple was the one that existed in Jesus' day. All right, so there are three groups. You know two of them. I won't talk about the third. It's outside. But there's two big groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, the Pharisees... Um, which one is this? So the Pharisees are an unofficial but powerful... Jewish pressure group. They're basically lobbyists. They're largely lay-led. So they don't have uh, priests. Their goal was to purify Israel through increasing their obedience to the law. All right? They did that by adding their own traditions... To, so if the if um, if the Bible if the law says uh, don't stand within five feet of Wayne, they say, well, let's not do hundred because then we'll be safe. Yeah. Right. So so they so you see what they do you know they but they do that and they had their own prayers and devotions, but what they what they their goal was, if we are pure enough. And holy enough, God will send the Messiah and liberate us from Rome and overthrow these and bring in the end of the world, right? If we live holy. So that's their agenda, right? There, it's not their agenda um, is it, that. Yeah, that, that's their goal. Jamie. So um, there were two schools of there were two schools of uh, Pharisees, Hillel and Shammai, um, and so you were either one or you were the other, right? Two 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 thoughts. Um, and um, after after the war in eighty sixty six to seventy, when the temple was destroyed, and then the Bar Kokhba revolt in AD one thirty five. Basically, their ideas kind of get reworked and become what we know as modern Judaism. All right, so that's that, that's a little bit of background. So um, these guys are—you have to understand—these guys are the conservatives, ultra ultra conservatives, right? These are the guys you want in your church. You want a couple of Pharisees because they 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 tithe everything. They keep you know they keep everybody on task, right? The, that's the. These are the, the pious people. All right, so that's a little background on Pharisee. Why would Pharisees, would the Pharisees gather like this to check out this young prophet? What are they doing here? They're monitoring them. Mm-hmm. They're in power by the grace of the Romans. Mm-hmm. The Romans let them in order to keep peace, and this Jesus is stirring up some people, mm-hmm. teaching stuff that they don't teach going to cause problems and could get the Pharisees kicked out of the car. Right. They also don't want anybody taking their power away from them. Yeah. The new prophet was teaching. He is teaching stuff that could be different than what they do. Yes, that's... At this stage, are they his express enemies yet? Not yet. They're Not curious. They're curious, and the, and that they're curious. That's exactly right. They're curious because of what Mark said. Here's a pro- they've heard the rumors of a prophet coming up north, right? They're gonna go check it out. Why are they gonna go check it out? Number one, they're curious. Number two, they're worried about their power. They're worried about the Romans coming, right? They don't these revolts that these would be messiahs and revolts that come up leave lots, you know, leave lots of people dead, and they don't want that. Right. Yep. That's right. Do you want a coffee? Yes, I'll get one in a second. Oh. Thank you. Well, so there's quite a few of them, and they came from 
different places. Yes, um, Josephus estimates there were 6,000 of them. Sorry, I should have said that. 6,000. That was a crammed little house. No, 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 no. <laughs> Pharisees. There are 6,000 Pharisees oh, in, all, in all oh, of Israel. Oh, I All right? See. I thought that's what showed up. No, you could fit about 50 people. <coughs> you could fit about 50 people in this house, in the house that they're in. I'm waiting for the All right. So, after the friends lowered the paralyzed man through the roof, why are the Pharisees... Do we, don't we cover that later? I tried to not do that. No, we don't, do we? Why are the Pharisees troubled and upset at Jesus? What's their beef? Forgiving sins and healing people. That's right. What is it? Now let, let's pause here and think about their uh, think about what they're saying exactly. You're right. Absolutely right. This is visual image too of somebody being descended from above in front of them. So, what, what's their what's their what's their argumentation? What's their line of reasoning? Well, the is most of the Pharisees are outside the house. And the house is full of tax collectors and sinners. No, not, not quite yet. That, that you're thinking of the... That, that's the party. That's the party at Levi's house. Oh, okay. Could, could it be that they just have faith, that, so much faith to, to believe that this is going to work? No, I, I want... Look at what, what, what do they say. What's their reasoning? They tell you their reasoning. They, they're questioning. What, what is it that they say exactly? So, verse 21. Who is this? Yeah. And they say he's speaking blasphemy. Right. So, why do they say um, forgiving blasphemy? What is, their, what is their main point? He can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Oh, there it is. He can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Now, on point of fact, are they technically correct on something there? Yes. Yes. Where are they right? Only God can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Okay, next step. Where are they wrong? <laughs> because he's God. That's right. Right? So, so yeah, I just wanna yeah. I wanted to make that 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 you see that they're not wrong that God only God can forgive sins. They're wrong to assume that Jesus can't do that. Because they, they 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 just see the man, they don't see God man. Alright, great. This is an interesting question. Whose faith did Jesus see? The men. The people bringing him in. Not the person who was healed. What does that tell you about prayer? Well, we don't know that for sure. No, we don't know that for sure. Because the the man is obviously complacent. Complacent. Yep. You well. Sure, uh, uh, that, that's that's a good possibility. But the text specifically highlights there that Jesus, when he saw their faith, mm-hmm. so. But I think there's a point there to say, what does that tell us about prayer? We can pray for other people. We can bring people to Jesus, yeah. right? And he will and he will hear us, right? He will. Uh, um, what does he say elsewhere? Um, Anything you ask my father in my name, I will give it to you, right? So there's, there's that idea. There's a little bit of that idea. Okay, but I wanted you to see just, it didn't say his faith specifically. It said their faith. And I wanted just to highlight, um, highlight that. Now it could be, you know, as I think about this, Murray could be right. The there could include everybody, including the guy on the stretcher. Yeah, that's the way I do it. Yeah. Um, or, but, it, but it includes the people who are, bringing him to Jesus. They obviously have faith too. Otherwise, they'd be like, no, dude, you just get you crazy. Just, you know. Okay. How does Jesus connect faith and the power of God? (coughs) 
Which one? Uh, well, Which verse? When he saw their faith. Yep, they're saved. Yeah, so they're that's faith. implying the group. Yep. Yep. But then man, singular, yep. men. No, it's, 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 yeah, he saw their faith, plural, and he forgives the, the, the singular guy. Yeah. Yep. That bears some investigation. <laughs> yep. He doesn't forgive all of them. He forgives the one whom they brought to him. Right? right. So, so... The, the guy in the stretcher has faith that this Jesus guy is going to do something for him. Right. The guys who are bringing him have faith that Jesus can do something for their buddy. Right? So what's the connection between faith and the power of God? Was the faith Jesus commended in verse 20, um, was it necessary... For the forgiveness of sins. Why or why not? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's it is required. It's required. It's right. That's why I was going to say there a couple seconds ago is that their faith will eventually bring them to repentance. Sure. And ultimately to their salvation. Mm -hmm. But their faith was made known by their actions. Right. Yep. Right. That's right. Yeah. If you truly believed that this Jesus guy could heal your friend, you would bring him to you would you you'd bring him to him, right? You did the extra yeah. Okay. Um, anything else in this first story we want to highlight? Um, uh, oh, um, note also the connection between sin. And physical illness. Right? Um, not everybody is... is um, the Jews thought that um, if you're sick like this, you must have done something wrong. Or your parents must have done something terrible. Mm -hmm. And so... The, right? So we don't... Uh, um, that's not a correct view of the relationship between sin and sickness but on the other hand if you're uh the wages of sin is death the reason why we get sick is because of adam and eve and the the not necessarily because we were actually guilty of something so i just wanted you to see that there's a connection then between forgiveness and healing um we don't necessarily get get both those in a package deal in this life, <laughs> right? But they they are they do they do come hand to hand, because we are forgiven. One day after Jesus comes back, we will be healed, right? Uh, there's a connection between those two things, um, and sometimes God, on a, on a rare occasion, will put those two together here and now. Uh, but we have no promise that he will do that. But we do have a promise. That's right. That's right. Okay. Let's look at the Matthew story here um, for a second. What makes the calling of Matthew, a tax collector, surprising? The lowest of the low. The lowest of the low. Why? Um, how do the, the, the scribes and... Well... How do the Pharisees and the scribes react when Jesus identifies with tax collectors and sinners? We'll pause. How do they react? How dare you? They were appalled. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> what are tax collectors? Yeah, money the, the money makers. So who do, who do these tax collectors, who do they probably work for? Rome. Oh, yeah. Rome, yeah. More locally, probably. King who is Herod, right? Um, um, the tax collector, likely Matthew is, this is likely on um, the border between, uh, there's the Galilee uh, was split into four, four chunks. I think it's four chunks. So this is likely on the border. So this is a, a custom, right? You, you pass from, 
from one jurisdiction to another along a road, you pay the you pay the toll, um, the duty. Um, and so, but why was why was taking taxes for Rome or for Herod? Uh, why was that uh, uh, so unpopular? They, sometimes they took more than what Rome wanted. Absolutely. Why else? Well, they're taking taxes for Rome. Rome's the enemy. You're a collaborator, right? You shouldn't. We shouldn't be helping Rome one bit, right? We should be doing all we can to mount a resistance and kick these suckers out of here, right? That's and and that. Pardon? Sound like the truckers in Ottawa. Well. Discontent has been around for a very long time, hasn't it? So have tyrants. So, um, so, um, but the, but you, so you see, so number one, they're tax collector. They're 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 collaborators with the enemy, right? With Rome, um, because they also because they um, they, who they collect um, they collect. Taxes for Gentiles, they spend more time with Gentiles. And contact with Gentiles could make them unclean, right? And then on top of that, they have a reputation for being extortioners, you know, charging you a few more. Sorry, the tax went up this year. This year it's six coins. So, you know. Uh, all right, so, so that's why the scribes and the Pharisees are upset. What lesson does Jesus give about them and about his purpose for coming? Actually, let's, let's uh, before we go do that question, let's do five, question five and come back to that question. I should have switched those. Um, so what must the Pharisees believe? Have, what do they believe to have considered to wrong, so wrong to eat with sinners? What do they believe? Only, only they are special. Only they are special. Yeah, sure. They're doing things the right way. They're doing. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. What do they believe about sin and God? What do they believe about God? So let's start there. There's only one group that he is concerned about. There's only one. God. God has his eyes on one group. What ma- in their in their understanding? What matters to God? How you. Yep, how, that's right. How you live, how you can keep the law, right? How you look. The welfare of the, the righteous. Yep, if you're righteous, right? And so how do they how do they view sin? Something they can control. <laughs> something they can control, right? By by legislation. Sin is something you can legislate. <laughs> um, something you can catch. Something you can catch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um Sin, yes, sin is something you can catch. Um, and, and righteousness, what do they think is, is righteous? External works of the law. External works of the law, which, which, which they add to, by the way, right? <laughs> so they've expanded it just, to, just for good measure. Put, put a fence around it. Good, all right. So, um, and, 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 and why would they be concerned about eating with Sinners, like it might rub off. It might rub off. Absolutely. What? What other reason? Food might not comply. Food might not comply. What other reasons might they be concerned? They're unclean. They haven't washed the same. They're unclean. Yep. What about the eighth commandment? What is the eighth commandment? It's about uh, your reputation, right? So they they are also worried about how how it looks. You you know, if you associate with with them. Maybe you condone their actions, right? Maybe, uh, maybe people will think that you're one of them, right? So it, it, there's, a, there's a little bit of how does it look, outward appearance kind of thing. Okay. Now let's go back. What does, yeah, six, question six there. What do Jesus' words to the Pharisees, what are they first? What does Jesus say to them? I am not... Come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right. Now, now, what does that reveal about his mission? 
Savior. He's the Savior. He's an equal opportunity forgiver. He's an equal <laughs> opportunity forgiver. That's right. He's here for all. He's here for all, absolutely. There's um. Is, is, is there a little bit going on in the background here where he's basically saying, well, you guys already know it all, so there's no point being wasting my time with you. Yeah. Jesus is absolutely being sarcastic, a little bit sarcastic here. Yeah. I've not come to call the righteous. Who think who thinks they are righteous? They think, they think they're righteous. Are they actually righteous? No. No. And Jesus is using that and saying, "Well, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners." Right? So, if you don't think, if you don't recognize you're a sinner, Jesus is saying, "Well, I'm not. I'm not. I've not come for you." Right? Um, Jesus comes only for sinners. <laughs> so if you're not a sinner, well, then he, he's not for you. Uh, that's why we always start with the preaching of the law. We, we don't just go around forgiving people first. First, we proclaim their need for forgiveness. So, right? Then we proclaim the gospel. Um, you, see, you see why that's, why that's important? Um, and how does the illustration of how does the illustration of um, the, the what illustration does he give? Let's put it that way. So it's right in verse thirty-one. He gives the illustration, an example of a physician, right? He, he likens sin to a sickness, and he is the great physician, right? Um, <laughs> how many times have you known somebody who's been sick and refuses to admit it? I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> right? See, but... Once you realize you're sick, what, you go to the doctor and he, he heals you. Um, we have to see that sin is a... It's like one of these chronic... <coughs> it's one of these chronic illnesses. Right? It's like my, my wife's Crohn's, Crohn's disease. It's, there's no cure. Right? She's on medication. The medication could help her. But even on the medication, there's, she could still have a flare. Right? But the medication is supposed to keep the symptoms at bay. But it doesn't take away the sickness. That's like justification. Martin Luther will take, has a great section on this, on this idea that Jesus is the physician in his Romans commentary. And he says, essentially, that Jesus is our great physician. And he, through the word and through the sacraments, he gives medicine to us, which keeps sin at bay. And it keeps us under his care until the day when he comes again in our operation. You know, we're given this medicine to keep us alive until the day we have our, our, our operation, right? And we get our, uh, until the, sur- the date of the surgery. A- and you're also given uh, an exercise regimen, right? Do those things cure you? No. What's going to cure you is the fact that the doctor is going to perform the surgery. These things are meant to just keep you alive until, until such point as you can, right? You see the example here. Good wor- uh, uh, sanctification... Uh, and um, the sacraments, they keep us spiritually alive until the, the day we die. Um, and, and we, well, even then, until the, resur- the day of resurrection, right? So what happens if you drop off of the physician's, uh, you drop out of the physician's care program? You get worse. You get worse, right? Um, so that, that's important, I think, to see. Um, just a little, expanding a little bit on that analogy of, of um, the doctor. What, how are we doing for time? 
Okay. Somebody tell me when it's uh, uh, quarter two, because uh, I, I don't have the I can't see the time while I'm recording. Okay. Um, Levi's decision to abandon his toll booth meant permanently leaving his job. What does his choice show about discipleship, about being a follower of Jesus? He was willing to give up everything. Yes, everything. You have to make sacrifices. So the question, the question really comes back and hits home, doesn't it? Um, what are you willing to give up for Christ? If Jesus comes to you and, 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 and like, are you, are you going to leave? If somebody can look at your life and, the, the, and would they say he, they left everything and they followed him? I mean that that's 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 a that's a. Um, That's a big question that we have to uh, ask ourselves. Am, am, I, am, I placing, am I placing such emphasis on Jesus like, like Levi did? And that's hard. There's too many things in the world to distract us, aren't there, yep. from, from what's important? Yes. One thing I want to talk about before we move on to our five, or last two questions... Um, is yes, here it is. I want to look at um, this is the first time Jesus uses a phrase a name for himself um, it is in verse 24 what's the name that Jesus uses for himself the first time in this um in this gospel. Son of man. I just wanted to give you a little bit of background as to what that is. Um, it's not that one. Gotta find where I have the actual information on it. It's not gonna be that one. A lot of research. Ah, here we go. That's part of it. Let's look at Daniel chapter 7. Very key text. This is the text that Jesus is referring to every time he thinks of the Son of Man. So every time you see the phrase Son of Man, come back and read this text and you'll, you'll start to get it. Daniel 7. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Everybody there? Everybody's getting there? Daniel chapter 7. Oh, by the way, there's the other objection. While you're looking that up. Oh, yes. The other objection of the Pharisees. Oh, this was good. Jesus forgiving that guy, it does what? It goes outside of what system? Theirs. You see that, right? It, he, he, Jesus, you can't forgive this guy their, his sins. You didn't go to the priest. You didn't offer the sacrifice. You didn't do all that, all, right? I just wanted to see that because Jesus gets himself into big trouble because he starts to work outside of the temple system, right? I just wanted to... Uh, but isn't that what they were looking all the time to see him slip up with yep. everything? Yep, that's right. So, all right, so... So Daniel chapter 7, here's the background to Son of Man. 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, the clouds of he- with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Okay, so the Son of Man is coming on the clouds. Which direction is he going? Read the text. Which direction? To us. Nope. Going the other way. Up. He's going, he came to the ancient of days. Right? He's going up. So, so the Son of Man comes with the clouds. He's presented to the ancient of days, God, right? He's presented before him. Verse 14. And to him was given, what's given him? Dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Why? So that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, 
which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. This is the background for what Jesus is claiming about um, himself when he uses the phrase son of man. What's he claiming he has? The authority of God. The authority of God Almighty himself. You see that? The Son of Man has, right, the Son of Man, uh, and just note that that phrase, to come with the clouds, refers to, in some, in some, you have to look at the context, sometimes it refers to Jesus coming to us, other times it refers to Jesus' ascension, and the context will tell you which is which. But here it's referring to his ascension, where he, five minutes, all right, where he goes up, to the clouds. All right. But I want you to see that. So Jesus Jesus is using this phrase son of man and he's basically claiming that he has the authority of God himself. He's the one who um, who will do that. I'm going to read you for sake of time here just this small paragraph from uh, scholar N.T. Wright on, on this phrase. Jesus explains what he is doing by the mysterious phrase son of man. In Daniel 7, one like a son of man is brought before God after a time of great persecution and is given authority over the world. The phrase could simply mean a human being, but the way Daniel 7 was read by many Jews in Jesus' day gave the figure a much more specific meaning. This would be that the Messiah would be the one through whom God would set up his kingdom after Israel's long suffering. So that, that's a good little summary. So Jesus is claiming to have the authority of God and to be the, the Messiah. and It's a whole bunch of things all jammed into one. All right. Murray, do you happen to have a Lutheran study Bible there in front of you? I do. Do you happen to have the small catechism? I do. I can, can, you, can you read for us um, the small catechism on the Office of the Keys? Uh, do we start the whole confession or just down what is the office? Uh, just confession and the office of keys. You don't have to do the example that they give. Remember, there's like an example. How, how are you to confess? So what is the office? Uh, yeah. Okay, so what is the office of the keys? The office of the keys is, this, is that special authority which Christ has given to the church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Right. And now the, 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 the question number one, what is confession? What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. And second, that we receive absolution. That is forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself. Not doubting, but firmly believing that by our sins, but by it, our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. Okay, thank you. So how does Jesus offer forgiveness to us today? Through, through pastors, right? Um, and, and that's that kind of confession is the kind of confession, confession you get when you come into my office and I forgive you directly. Um, how is the objection that to a pastor pronouncing absolution similar to the objection of the Pharisees to Jesus? Where's the similarity in that objection? Some people will say, Pastor, you cannot, you can't offer absolution. Only God forgives sins, right? That's what you. Uh, how how would you respond to that objection? Well, you've been appointed. The Lord has given authority through you. Who has appointed me? God. God, exactly, but right? God is still forgiving the sins. Yes. Right. Let's say it's not you that's forgiving. No, that's right. That's You're right. Announcing the forgiveness. Right. Exactly. So uh, my authority is delegated, right? I have no authority of myself. The authority comes from the fact that I am an ambassador for Christ, right? Ambassadors speak on the authority of the one, the government for which they are sent, right? Um, and um, yes? What, happen um, what happens if an ordinary person, you know, at bedtime says, I am a poor, miserable sinner, confess all my transgressions. So when we say that in our own private homes, are we 
getting the forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. So Some, you really don't need a minister. You absolutely do need a minister because you don't... Um, what, what absolution does is absolution is more specific than that. It's when something, there's comes times when something so bugs your conscience that you can't, you can't reason yourself out of it. You know what I mean? There's it takes the guilt away. It, it, you, you could still, I, you know, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and it doesn't feel, right? So what, what the absolution does is it takes God's forgiveness and it makes it, um, it makes it um, more, tangible. more tangible. Exactly, it makes it concrete. And, and so, prayer is not a sacrament. So, by saying this, you're really not getting forgiveness of sins. You, you, well, it's not. Um, you, you have no. You, it's, it's. So, the difference is in prayer. You're talking to God. Do you hear anything back? Just, just in prayer. Just in prayer. 520 says, by your faith. Right. Right, by your faith. Yeah. But do you hear anything back from God just by praying without anything else? No. Right. You need something else. You need what? The Word. And that Word comes to you either through the Bible, where it says, your faith has made you well, and anything you ask in my name will be forgiven, or... That all that that same word. Absolutely, absolutely. The Catechism says that. Um, there, Augustine tells a story of two people on a boat. One baptized, and they were the boat was going to go down. One baptizes one, the other baptizes the other, and then both as Christians, one forgives one, the other forgives the other, and then they both die. <laughs> um, um, yes, any Christian, any Christian can can forgive the sins of another. Um, uh, it's a little bit different with a pastor, but anybody has the authority to do that, right? Um, See, but, the other thing about a pastor forgiving sins is the command to do so in the Bible. Right. Anybody sins you forgive, they are forgiven. So, so there, 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 comes, there comes a time when people come into my office and say, Pastor, I'm, this is really bugging me. I, I can't, I, I'm fighting this sin. I can't beat it. I can't get over it. Um, and, um, and, or they're coming to my office for some counseling and we uncover that they have such a sin and they confess it and they say, oh, man, I've really messed up. Well, then, you know, uh, there's something tan nice about hearing, no, no, that, that sin, even that one right there, the one you just confessed, that one, forgiven. And then um, it, what, it, what it does is if somebody starts doubting, well, how do I know that God heard my prayer? Well, it's not a, the minister pronounced forgiveness. He said, and the minister speaks, um, and as our catechism says, um, you trust that when the minister speaks forgiveness, you, you trust it as, as, as if it was the voice of God. Because um, um, he said, anybody sins, you forgive, they, they are forgiven. So uh, the same with when you say, created me a clean heart. You're just wasting your time saying that. No. You're just wasting your time saying, I am a poor, miserable sinner. Um, That's confession. Yeah, no. Conf confession is when somebody comes to the pastor. Somebody, confession is when someone comes to the pastor because there is some sort of sin burdening them. This is not just you praying to, to God at the end of the day because you've messed up a little bit. Oh, God, please forgive me. This is something bugging you so much that you need to seek the advice of a pastor. So you're coming to my office, sitting down and saying, Pastor, I, I have a pornography addiction. I can't stop it. Pastor, help me. I, I have this guilt. It's just, how do I know that God loves I don't know that God loves me. I don't know, right? That's when you, you need something tangible outside of you. But what does the normal average person do? The normal average person is supposed to go to confession. Luther says, if you don't go to confession, private confession, at least once a year, you're not a Christian. That's in the large catechism. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. What do we start our every church service with? I, a poor miserable. And what happens... Well, this is it. I say that every day. So you're saying I'm wasting my time. I'm saying that. It's not what I'm saying. Not what I've said that. I'm not saying that at all. You have to always remember that God does not need our prayers. We need our prayers. 
Let's 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 put it this way. The same forgiveness that you, when you pray to God, you have forgiveness. When you go to a pastor, you have forgiveness. When you go to communion, you get forgiveness. When you read his word in faith, you have forgiveness. It's all different ways to get us uh, hard-hearted, stiff-necked sinners to repent and, and, and to realize that we've... Uh, all right. Okay, let, let's... let's uh, I'm losing time here. The main, the main point, I think there's two main points you, for this text. You could go with um, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Or you could go with um, the, the, the second one, which is uh, I came to call not the righteous but sinners to repentance. Right? Both are the two main points. This is what Jesus has come to do. He's, he does it through his word. He does it through pastors. He does it in a bunch of ways. Our, our responsibility is anytime we hear that word of forgiveness that comes from anywhere to receive it with joy. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that uh, you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins and to offer us forgiveness and repentance. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a bountiful amount of ways to, uh, to receive this. We pray that you would make in us clean hearts to accept it um, and bless our service today and this holy week. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.